Welcome back on a, I was, oh my God, I was about to say on a Thursday morning, but it's Saturday. That's how out of it I am today. Um, so let's kind of break the ice. Let's you and me have a little chit chat. Let's have a little conversation here. Um, I normally post on Friday and usually my Saturdays are off. Why didn't I post on Friday? I felt pretty sick. And I felt kind of like, and I kind of like, here, here's the thing, right? You know how like you feel bad, but you kind of power, you can like kind of power through it, but it's going to be like really, really hard. I've had like a couple of days. I mean, not a couple. I've had a lot of those days over the course of the podcast. I like literally destroyed my, my throat pause on that. But I like, I had like the common cold one time in like 2020, early 2020, and I had it for like two weeks. And that was because I just, I didn't really take care of myself. And I, and I kind of just learned a lot from that. And I kind of just learned, it's like, Hey, if, if I don't feel up to it, it rather than trying to like push through something that'll probably go away in a day or two, or take a little bit more time off. Like it, it's just better if I just freaking not podcast for like a hard day. And that's kind of what I did for Friday. I was just like, I don't really feel up to it. Even though I definitely could have. I was just like, let me kind of just, you know, let me just rest. Saturday's coming up real quick. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sunday's coming up real quick. With three games that we got going on. Bears at Rams Sunday night. Um, Browns at Chiefs, which is the midday game. And then a, the one o'clock game is going to be the, um, I believe... The Packers and the Saints. As a matter of fact, let me just like like do a little bit of a, a check here. Like super quick. Yeah. And it's also the Eagles at Atlanta as well. I was just like, what were the other two games? I forgot. I was like, what were the other two games? Let me let me check them out. Oh no. Oh, I had them confused. Never mind. Like both the, the Green Bay Packers game and the um the Green Bay Packers versus the Saints and the Chiefs versus the the Browns they happen at the exact same time. Whoops. We're watching the Steelers versus the other uh, Bills tomorrow. My bad. My bad. Anyways, thought that today we would kind of wrap up the Cowboys versus the Bucks. Everybody's been talking about it. I kind of wanted to give my two cents about it. And you know, even though I predicted that the Bucks were going to win, on Thursday, I kind of, I was like, if the Cowboys win, I got, I got a nice little intro, <coughs> excuse me, I got a nice little intro to kind of play, you know, just in case if they, just in case if they win, you know, just, just, just in case, just in case, just in case, just in case. Ladies and gentlemen, I am 24. This is my podcast. 24 is a podcast, the best video gaming and sports podcast on the entire internet. We're back on a Saturday morning. Cowboys did a good job on Thursday. Dak Prescott did a good pause of music. I watched it three times already. I'm going to go back and watch it a fourth. Uh, I saw I saw it with you on Thursday. The rough, not the rough, but just, you know, from start to finish, just saw it all on Thursday. Then I went back Thursday morning, Friday morning, like literally, I, I said, 
after the podcast was over, I was just like, yeah, I'm going to watch it again, literally straight after I'm, I'm done recording, and I did, and I was up until like 3 o'clock in the morning watching it, and then I watched it again like Friday evening, and then I just, yeah, like, it was bad, it was bad, I don't want to talk about it, but the game wasn't bad, I just felt bad. And it was like the the longer the day got on, the worse I felt. And I was just like, yeah, let's just let's just not podcast today, and we'll do it Saturday. Anyways, um, we're gonna be talking about we're gonna be talking about the Cowboys versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm gonna be going over my Week One predictions for Sunday's games and Monday Night Football. That game tomorrow, two days. Excuse me. Pause the music. If you don't know how we do things on the podcast. Essentially, Sunday is going to be filled with podcasts, play-by-play, analysis, all that good stuff. We're going to do that Sunday. Monday, same thing. Tuesday, we'll kind of we'll kind of wrap it up. Wednesday will be the um, will be Thursday night predictions, and then Friday, and then Thursday we'll have Thursday night football. Which what is it? What's Thursday night this week? Who's playing? Let me kind of just check. Uh, it's Giants at Washington. Yuck. Boring. We'll watch that. Friday will be weekend predictions, which should have been today's podcast. And then Saturday, I'm off to watch what I'm watching right now. College football. Ohio State versus Oregon. I'm pause my music, please. So that's kind of what we're going that's kind of like what's going to happen in the next week as well as in this podcast is there anything else i have to like tease before we get into it no no we're just hitting we're just hitting the turf hard we're hitting the ground running ladies and gentlemen here on 24th podcast Obviously, we will we'll cover the Cowboys first. We'll cover Tampa Bay versus the um, the Cowboys. A lot of weird conversations going on. I've listened to a lot of them, and some of them I've just like refused to listen because I'm just like, okay, this person is ridiculous. Also, I'm gonna have to talk about. There's so much to talk about because there's so much stuff going on. Or that has been going on in the last couple of days. Um, I, you know, I'll get this out of the way super, super fast. Let me like, let me like pause the conversation with the Cowboys and the Bucks, and let me kind of just go through some of the injuries and things of that nature that's been going on for the last couple of days. So first and foremost, Carson Wentz, who I thought I think I've said this, but I'll reiterate and repeat. Carson Wentz, who I thought was not going to play uh, tomorrow, is playing tomorrow after a miraculous recovery where uh, he should have been out for apparently week one. He's coming back week one. I don't know if he's being rushed. I don't know. I don't I don't know. But he's coming back week one. He'll play tomorrow. Um, that's confirmed. I believe also Quentin Nelson is close to also playing tomorrow as well. So it's going to be a very, very interesting first game for the um, for the uh, 
for Carson Wentz and the Indianapolis Colts. Hold on. They're doing a piece about Chris Olave. And I'll talk about this game as well. I'll kind of bounce around from subject to subject. So I apologize if I kind of am a little bit off today and disorienting. But at the same token, you know, like, like I, I've paused the conversation now on the Dallas Cowboys. I've po- I'm, I'm going to pause the conversation on the injuries and Carson Wentz and stuff like that. Let me kind of like, I like podcasting on Saturdays. I just need time off. I need like one day off, but I, I like podcasting on on Saturdays. It's fun because I get to watch college football. Jenny Taff reporting on Chris Olave, my number one wide receiver. He was spectacular against Minnesota. Now he's up against Oregon without uh, Kavion or Calavon or something like that, Thibodeau. And the, uh, the other linebacker or whatever who was awesome for them. Um, I don't know. Like, Oregon is – aren't they like a ranked team? I, regardless, Ohio State's going to whoop them. Danny Taff <clears throat> talking about Chris Olave and how he came back to college. I had him as a top-tier player, uh, as a top-tier wideout in last year's draft. I was very confused. I was shocked when people took him off their, um, their, uh, their rankings board last year in the draft because I was just like, shouldn't he be in the draft? Like, shouldn't he, like, why aren't people ranking Chris Olave? I'm like, people are getting Chris Olave wrong. And then I didn't, it took me months to realize this, but Chris Olave had decided he wants to play a senior year in college. And apparently the reasons why were he wanted to develop strength on the field, improve his yards after catch, overall leadership. And he loves college football in Ohio State. I can't, can't really blame him for that. He'll be, I mean, Probably another reason is that he's going to be the number one wideout in next year's draft, but I mean, he's, he's back and he's a monster. Anyways, unpause the conversation on uh, the injuries. So Carson Wentz is going to be back. I like, they're going up against Seattle. I had it wrong initially. I thought they were going to play their season opener in Seattle. Excuse me. That is my bad. They're playing it in Indianapolis, which makes it significantly better for Carson Wentz because he doesn't do very well against um, noise, any type of noise. So we'll kind of see what happens there. I still expect Seattle to uh, to win that game, and I'll kind of get into my week predictions um, in probably an probably an hour. We'll see. I, I got to talk about Tampa Bay versus the Bucks. Um, excuse me, Tampa Bay versus the Cowboys uh, for probably an hour. Well, maybe thirty to forty minutes. I always get my times wrong. So Carson Wentz, he's back. Ravens are absolutely getting destroyed when it comes to their um, their players being hurt especially significant players they've re-signed Le'Veon Bell Le'Veon Bell um not re-signed but they've signed Le'Veon to their practice squad and um who's the other guy Latavius Murray they also signed I think yesterday or on Thursday or something like that they're all hurt like J.K. Dobbins hurt Gus Edwards hurt I think their third back hurt as well the UDFA, he's not hurt, but he's going to play. And um, on top of that, Marcus Peters, probably their best to second best cornerback, hurt as well. And by hurt, I mean Marcus Peters and Gus Edwards have torn ACLs. They're out for the entirety of the season. They both happened on back-to-back plays. That's not very good. And then who do the Ravens play? Oh, they play up against the Raiders. Oh, it doesn't matter. They'll still win. They'll still win. 
So it's kind of a little bit of an update with injuries, significant injuries kind of happening all around the league and all over the league and things of that nature that will easily and effectively impact some of the players and the teams in the league, you know? Can Lamar Jackson win? I mean, I don't think the answer for Lamar Jackson ever needs to be, can he win without his backs? I think the answer is like, can he kind of play at a deficit? And more specifically, not that he can play at a deficit specifically, but can he like, can he actually have some form of a passing attack for his football team? I think that's significantly more important than like him playing without his running backs or whatever, or any other narrative that I can spin out or whatever, I guess. So, anyways, let me kind of unpause the conversation about Tampa versus the Cowboys. So, essentially, the the main... Hold on, let me unplug my computer. Like, the main... <clears throat> the main, like, conversations I've heard... <clears throat> excuse me. I've heard about Tampa versus the Cowboys is is that moral victories don't matter. They don't matter. You know, the Cowboys losing, as I write down Garrett Wilson's name, Ohio State's other awesome wide receiver. He just had a nice little catch. I'm write down Garrett Wilson. We'll talk about college football. We'll wrap up the weekend of football on Tuesday, not Monday. But, like, let me write down. I'm just writing. Sorry. But it's like a lot of people have essentially distilled down the conversation to, well, Cowboys didn't win, so that loss doesn't matter, right? Doesn't matter. Tampa Bay won, that matters. And the conversations are just inconsistent and inauthentic. Let me try and provide some consistency for you, right? So let me start off with Tampa Bay. Tampa... And I'll say that, and I'll say something similar about the Cowboys here in a little bit. But Tampa played a really, really awesome and fantastic game. Game, excuse me. <clears throat> I don't know why my voice is cracking a lot, but I, I apologize. But Tampa played an awesome game. And Tampa, like some people are like, like, like I don't, I don't think I've heard people say this, but it's weird that nobody is like, wow, Tampa really almost lost to the Cowboys and the Cowboys are a terrible team because everybody said that the Cowboys were a terrible team. I said that the Cowboys defense was a terrible unit and I was wrong about that. They actually played pretty well. But again, nobody's consistent. They just, they're, they're like coins. They flip on subjects all the time. I'm pretty consistent. But Tampa, even though they played up against a very terrible defense, and, um, and uh, well, I mean, they, they shredded the defense, to be honest with you. Even though they played up against the Cowboys, who were like 6-10 and 10 last year, and they weren't very good, Tampa should be very proud of that game. And the reason why, and they should still remain the one seed, regardless of whatever happens this weekend, because that was probably their hardest game of the year. And I'll say the same of the Dallas Cowboys outside of Tampa. That was probably their hardest game of the year. I don't think there's, and I looked at both of their schedules, and I have both of their schedules here. Tampa in the next eight weeks will play up against the Falcons, Rams, Patriots, Dolphins, Eagles, Bears, Saints, and then Washington, the rematch with Washington. There is maybe one quarterback that's probably in the top 10 in quarterbacks, and that's Stafford with the Rams, and then everyone else is like question marks. 
Like some of the quarterbacks, some of the teams, I don't even know who their quarterbacks are going to be. Like the Saints in week eight, it's just like, is it going to be Jameis Winston or Taysom Hill? But it's like none of the quarterbacks that they are going to play up against in the next eight weeks are going to be Dak Prescott. And yes, did the defense uh, suck? Was it kind of terrible, you know, on Thursday? Yes and no. And the reason why it's a yes and a no is because the Bucks' run defense was fantastic. You know, a lot of people are slinging the narrative around that Zeke needs to get a bajillion carries um, so that way he can have a bajillion yards. And uh, I hate to break it to you, but that's not how running backs work, right? It is, well, technically it is and it isn't. But for the most part, it's like if you're a running back and if you have really, really good yards per carry, you'll be able to, um, you'll be able to really, like, like that's more important, excuse me. Yards per carry is significantly more important than carries. Because if I give Zeke the football like 30 times, going at the rate that he was going, he would only have 90 yards, okay? Like, that's not acceptable. He had three yards per carry. Like, I can, like, the cool thing about literally being on a computer is that I can literally Google people's statistics. He had, yeah, he was, he had three yards per carry. He had 11 attempts, 33 yards. That's terrible. I don't know. Like, I don't know what to tell people. He wasn't very good on uh, on Thursday. Like, some people are going to be like, well, he was great in the pass protection. It's just like, I can get a fullback to do that. But more specifically, Tampa Bay's defense was fantastic. They were able to shut down Ezekiel Elliott. And more specifically, Dallas really didn't even, yeah, they, like, it's, it's twofold. They were able to shut down Ezekiel Elliott. But then at the exact same time, Dallas was just like, yeah, we're not going to play against Vita Vea and Indomitian Sue and JPP and Shaq Barrett and Levante David and Devin White and Antoine Winfield Jr. We're just not going to run our offense through those guys. We're going to lose by a larger margin. So Dallas was like, we're going to attack your weakness, which is your secondary. And I've always thought that their secondary was weak. I was just like, and I think I said it before the podcast, and I'm kind of like, you know, I'm kind of angry with myself that I didn't emphasize that they have a weak secondary over and over and over again, but you know. It's my bad. It's not Tampa's. But yeah, Tampa has a weak secondary. And Dallas attacked that weak secondary over and over and over again. But make no mistake, like, Dak was a handful. And we'll get on Dak significantly, you know, not significantly, but we'll talk about Dak longer, kind of going kind of going later on in the podcast. But what Dak did as a quarterback was he just, and I talked about it during the broadcast. I was like, he changed plays. He made adjustments at the line of scrimmage. He um, he he took advantage of the constant blitzing and pressures that Tampa Bay was throwing at him, right? Like, he got blitzed. I don't know how many times he got blitzed, but he got blitzed for the majority of the game because Todd Bowles was like, he's just, he's going to react badly to this. He's coming off of an injury he hasn't played in a year. Like, some of his other players were hurt for like the majority of the year. I'll talk about Leo Collins' suspension when I talk about the Cowboys. But it's like all of that stuff that Todd Bowles was trying to sling at Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott was like, I got it. I, I know how to deal with it. I can deal with it. Let me adjust. Let me make sure that I that I know what I'm doing. Or not know what I'm doing, but let me adjust that. Let me adjust to the defense so that way we can just avoid some of their um some of their more some of their best players. They nullified their best players. It was incredible to watch. And it's just like, if you're a Bucks fan, it's just like, I don't, like, and if you're like angry or if people are worried about the Bucks, and I'm surprised that this isn't getting more airtime, 
if people are worried about the Bucks, they really shouldn't be defensively. Because again, Falcons, that's not Matt Ryan's not a top ten quarterback. Matt Stafford isn't a top five quarterback. Mac Jones, love him. We'll see where he falls. Same thing goes with Tua. Eagles, Jalen Hurts may not even be top fifteen. Bears don't even know who your quarterback is. Same thing with the Saints in Washington. I think Ryan uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick. He may he he may or may not be starting during that game. It's really hard to know. It's really hard to tell. So in the case of Tampa and their defense, it's just like they did exactly what they wanted to do. They blitzed against a lesser quarterback that can't make adjustments at the line of scrimmage. They easily would have been able to have overpowered. Like let's say if that was like a perfect example is going to be Andy Dalton on um on sunday night against the rams we'll watch and see how terrible he will play tomorrow like we'll get a front row seat sitting in my chair right now we got a front row seat to see how terrible how horrible andy dalton will be tomorrow right so in the case of so in the case of like certain teams the bucks will go up against in the eight in the next eight weeks it's not really that big of a deal that they almost got beaten by the cowboys cowboys excuse me because the cowboys they have one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, one of the best receiving cores in the NFL. They were phenomenal. They were fantastic. They did exactly what they needed to do as an offense to push the ball down the field slowly and meticulously. It wasn't like they gashed the um it wasn't like the Cowboys defense where the Cowboys defense gave up big play after big play to Antonio Brown because of Anthony Brown and Jordan Lewis. It was way more, hey, he's going to have to play a really really tight super like methodical and technical game or else they're going to lose uh, because our pressure is going to get there and their pressure did get there a lot of the times because they did exactly what I want a lot of quarterbacks to do or excuse me a lot of defensive lines to do they freaking hit the quarterback a lot they hit Dak a lot I'm like I like that in the sense of I like that a team can get after the quarterback and 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 put hands on the quarterback legally legally you know, they can affect the quarterback. They can provide pressure. Dak, Dak again, had to make a lot of adjustments pre-snap. And then he had to go through his progressions very, very quick as well. And he had to get rid of the ball very quick as well. Like, everything that he had to do was quick. Everything. And it's different from, from like, how he played in, in 2020, where a lot of what he was doing was slow progressions, attacking downfield, being incredibly aggressive with the football. And that led the Cowboys to turn the football over. But when Dak is just like, when the coverage was there for Tampa Bay, Dak just threw it in the turf. When the coverage, you know, downfield was there, he was just like, yeah, I don't want to take a sack. Let me just throw it away. Other times, you know, they're, this is Tampa's third and fourth corner, maybe fifth corner was going up against Amari. It was just a speed out route and Amari Cooper's always going to win those types of routes. So it's like in Tampa Bay's case, when it comes to the defense, it's just like, don't, like, don't panic. Don't freak out. If you're a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan, don't, don't be like, oh my God, oh my God, we almost lost to the Dallas Cowboys. Oh my God. Just like, like, don't panic. It's, it's fine. They just nullified all of your best players and quite frankly put no other team is going to do that to you probably for the rest of the season. Let me just kind of just check Tampa's schedule here. Because I, I, I did it halfway to... I, I wanted to look at the teams that they were going to play for the next eight weeks, right? From week two to week nine, right? Just because I wanted 
to see, you know, the quarterbacks. And, like, they're not playing up against any any elite quarterbacks, dude. The only elite quarterback that they'll play up against is, is and I'm looking at the rest of their schedule, is Josh Allen. You know, Carson Wentz is coming back from injury. Here's, here's after the Washington game. So this is after week nine. It's the Giants. Daniel Jones. No way. Colts. Carson Wentz. No way. Falcons again. Again, Falcons. Pretty bad football team. Bills. Again, Josh Allen. We've talked about him. Saints. Panthers. Jets. Panthers. Right? So in the case of Tampa Bay... Literally, they're only going to go up against two elite quarterbacks this season. Dak Prescott was one of them. Barely beat him, which is fine. And then the Buffalo Bills. That's it. That's it. And then everybody else is like question marks on where they're ranking. You know, I mean, Matt Ryan probably is a top 10 quarterback, but we'll kind of see like, but he's not Dak Prescott. And we'll kind of see how he plays. And it's a lot, it's a, there's a lot more questions that need to be answered with a lot of these teams, right? Like with Tua Tungavailoa, with Mac Jones, that's like, like, I, I don't know where they're going to rank this season. Jalen Hurts, you know, the Bears will play, we'll kind of see what happens. Like, there's just so many teams that are like question marks that, that maybe not that are question marks, but have players that I don't really know who they are and what they're capable of doing. So we'll kind of like, We'll kind of just see in the next couple of weeks. But yeah, like Tampa Bay, they're fine. They're fine. Defensively. Offensively, that was one of their best games that they're probably going to play this year. And that was an awesome game for Tampa, right? A lot of people have talked about how Mike Evans got locked down by Trevon Diggs. And I I didn't see that. And I didn't really watch Trevon, and I'm going to watch the Cowboys game a fourth time, maybe tomorrow, maybe today. I'm not really sure because I got a lot of college football to watch today. But like Trevon Diggs, more specifically Tom Brady, like he did what Dak did. And, and again, I'll talk about Dak, but Dak essentially put on his best Tom Brady face. He essentially was like, okay, I don't need to attack downfield I don't need to stretch the field like if they're gonna blitz and if they're gonna give me man to to man and they're gonna take seven they're gonna bring seven or six guys why not just check it down why not just make the easy completion why not just make life easier on the team and for myself and just not give up key and critical turnovers or significant losses or whatever it's just like so that's what Dak was doing he was just like yeah I'm not gonna give the defense the ability to significantly affect the game that's exactly what he did. He just was like, yeah, we're, we're just gonna, we're just gonna, you know, we're just gonna matriculate the ball down the field. All right. So in the case of like Tom Brady and his offense and Mike Evans, I felt like they took advantage of the weaknesses of the Cowboys the same way that the Cowboys took advantage of the weaknesses of Tampa Bay. I felt like Brady was like, okay, Micah Parsons is a rookie. Anthony Brown is terrible. Jordan Lewis is terrible. Let me attack those guys over Trevon Diggs because, and let me force, let me force, excuse me, the Cowboys to adjust, which they kind of never did. Let me, and, and Chris Godwin also popped off as well. 
Let me let me force the Cowboys to adjust before I adjust. And that's kind of what Dak did as well. Dak was like, okay, let me attack this James Dean guy who constantly is just giving up big play after big play against Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup, you know, playing the X or whatever. Let me just attack that guy specifically because if I attack that guy, they'll have to adjust because he's playing on the weak side. He's playing the X. They'll have to adjust. And when they adjust, when they, you know, put a safety, when they play cover two, essentially, when they put a safety over the top, when they have two deep safeties, let me then go and let me attack this guy in the slot. And that's kind of what Tom Brady did. So I don't know. And, and by the way, like Mike Evans, he had six targets for three receptions. Like two of those targets, and I'll have to go back and watch every single one of his targets. Like two of those targets were kind of bad by Brady. Like I'll admit, like a couple of them were just bad balls. One of them was like tipped. I don't know, man. Like I didn't, I think all three of his, to be honest with you, I'm, I may, I may remember like three targets that just went awry. Like three of those targets were just bad, dude. And I don't really blame him. Excuse me. I don't really blame him for, you know, dropping some of those passes for having incompletions, things of that nature. And I don't really blame Brady for not going to Mike Evans. Like whenever people are like, you got to, you got to get your number one. They want to be nerds about it. Like you, you got to get your number one wide receiver involved in the game. Like, like it's no, no, you don't. No, you don't. Not if everyone else is eating, not if everyone else is scoring touchdowns, not if they haven't stopped everyone else on your team. If they're providing so much attention to your number one wide receiver, or you're able to make all of the, um, you're able to have all of your offense essentially be against that number one guy, or excuse me, against their number two and number three guys, then freaking attack their twos and threes. Like, don't just attack to attack, you know? It's kind of how you do things is so important as well. And Tom Brady was like, yeah, I don't, I don't feel the need to go and target Trevon Diggs against um, uh, working, excuse me, I don't feel the need to target Mike Evans working against Trevon Diggs because we're just making all of our offense on everyone else, right? Speaking of Brady, Brady played fantastic. Brady played fantastic, you know, considering that his team had four turnovers, really three that counted because... The Hail Mary interception didn't go for anything. It was at the end of the half, so it was technically three interceptions. Like, it's like Brady, he played fantastic. And it was very much vintage Tom Brady. It was midseason form Tom Brady. I thought we would not see him for maybe a couple more weeks. And nope, Tom Brady's like, I'm I'm midseason. I'm ready to go. He's ready to go. So is Tampa Bay. Rob Gronkowski had 100 yards. He had a hundy. He had two touchdowns. AB had two touchdowns. Chris Godwin, I believe, didn't he have a touchdown? Literally looking at Tampa's box score. Or not box score, but schedule. Yeah, Gronk, excuse me, AB didn't have two touchdowns. He had one. Chris Godwin had one. And then Gronk had two tutties. And it's just like, look, look at the statistical breakdown, right? Perfect encapsulation of what I'm talking about. Antonio Brown, 121 yards, one touchdown, 24 yards per per catch. Chris Godwin, 105 yards, 11.7 yards per catch, one touchdown. Rob Gronkowski, 90 yards, uh, 11.2 yards per catch, two touchdowns. Like, they had three guys that were almost in triple digits. Like, I don't think they need, you know, I don't think they need 
to freaking have more offense. It's just like, I don't think they needed to get Mike Evans engaged. It's just like, it wouldn't have mattered. They won. They scored on almost every single drive that they were on, the drives that they didn't turn the football over. And again, that wasn't, that wasn't, let me pick up the bottle cap that I just dropped. It wasn't for like a lack of like, okay, Trev, like I don't think it was for a lack of like Trevon Diggs was locking down Mike Evans. I don't think it was. I think it was more along the lines of that Brady just literally almost put three guys in triple digits in the game. That, that's just my opinion on it. And I don't think that Brady needed to change something that wasn't broken. I don't think he was just like, it's not my job to adjust. It's not my job to, um, to go off of what's working. It's your job to force me to go off of what's working. So Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay played a phenomenal game. Um, they'll probably be back in the NFC Championship game again. Because again, they're not going up against a quarterback um, like Dak Prescott unless oh yeah except for Josh Allen that's kind of it so am I worried about the uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers really like struggling against not even struggling is the proper way to describe it am I worried about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers long term after that game no and neither should you like if somebody's gonna if anyone is gonna be like oh man Tampa Bay they really really lost the game and they were terrible and oh my god they or they almost lost the game or whatever and they were terrible and blah 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 it's just like well you're not very smart because <clears throat> they were again top five quarterback defense was top five excuse me their um their Dallas's quarterback is top five Tampa Bay's offense was immaculate Tom Brady had to throw the freaking football 32 excuse me 50 times he was 32 of 50 four touchdowns two interceptions again one what was the other one? Oh yeah, it was the Fournette play. Both of them weren't his fault. So Tampa's fine offensively, defensively. Um, interestingly enough, they had really, really awesome returns against the Cowboys. 85 Mickens, the deep returner for them on punts and on kickoffs. He was awesome. He gained like 30, 40 yards every single time the Cowboys kicked off. It was ridiculous. It got to the point where the Cowboys they wanted to test like their coverage team. I don't know what it's called. But, you know, their um, they're return, not the return team, but I guess their coverage team, their kickoff team, they were just like, yeah, we'll just kick it inside the five, inside the 10, and um, it backfired on like three or four different possessions. It was really, really bad for the Cowboys offensively, or excuse me, defensively, because it was like, why like why are we starting at, our own, at Tampa's 40-yard line? Why are we starting at their 35? And it got to the point where they were just like, yeah, just boot it out of the end zone, just get it out of the end zone. I remember like hearing people I won't say who, but I remember hearing people like have this discussion of like, and we'll talk about Greg Zerline here in a couple of minutes. I remember people were like having this weird discussion and conversation about like how Greg Zerline has just lost leg strength and leg power and he can't kick off. And I'm just like, well, if that was the case, number one, the Cowboys defense or not defense, but the Cowboys special teams would literally just put out anger, their punter, and he would just do kickoffs. It's not like super uncommon. And number two, it's like if a if a kicker can't like kick off, then it, like like it completely devalues them as a kicker. Like like let's be intelligent here, right? But yeah, Tampa Bay played awesome. Tampa Bay is probably going back to the NFC Championship game, but we already knew that they were fantastic. They're phenomenal. Not a lot to worry about Tampa. Um, I'm not even worried about them defensively. And again, it's just like watch them week two. 
Watch Tampa Bay week two against the Falcons. Tell me what you think of Tampa week two. If there's like any doubts about Tampa, just watch them week two. And of course, Brady had the um, the game-ending drive that sealed the fate. <clears throat> Excuse me. I don't know why my, my voice is breaking. Let me take a swig. Hold on. Hold on. Sorry about that. But of course, Tampa had the game-ending drive that essentially ended Dak Prescott's um, beautiful night of football where Tom Brady, you know, walked out, jogged out on the football field, made big play after big play with like less than a minute to go. Everybody's saying like, well, Dallas needed to have taken time off the clock. Tampa, like give credit to Tampa Bay. They had all three of their timeouts left. And um, they prevented Dallas from scoring a touchdown. And then Brady had like one timeout left, a lot of time. Like that's what happens when you save all of your timeouts. It's like that. Like that's what happens. They have time to operate. They have time to win. It's not like it's not like Dallas was just like, oh man, like oh crap, like like they just mismanaged the game. Like again, the majority of the quarterbacks in this, like like in the league, would not have gone up against Tampa or Dallas on Thursday and have won that game. Like, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Dak Prescott probably are the only people that can win that game. Probably not Russell Wilson and probably not Josh Allen. At least in my opinion. We'll see. We'll see. But yeah, like, Tampa Bay played fantastic. There's nothing to worry about. They're going to go in and they're probably going to win like Initially, I just said, like, 15 games. Probably accurate. Probably win, like, 15 games. We'll see. So, that's kind of the Tampa Bay side of it. Complete and utter dominance on the offense. Struggled a little bit. Oh, yeah, I forgot to talk about the uh, the running game for Tampa. Because Tampa Bay's running game was terrible. Both teams, their running games were terrible. It was not because of a lack of trying. Leonard Fournette had nine carries, 32 yards. I'll say the exact same thing about Zeke, as I said, as I will say about Leonard Fournette. I don't need to see Leonard Fournette attempt to get um, more yards because he's not getting any yards. They didn't get any yards with Leonard Fournette. They didn't get any yards with, with Ezekiel Elliott. And again, give credit to where credit is due. Dallas had played a very, very solid game when it came to run defense. That's why the run defense, that's why the running game for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers was essentially stifled and essentially stalled out because it's just like, wait, like we can't, we can't do anything against the Cowboys. Why would we give Leonard Fournette or Ronald Jones the football more? They both had less than four yards per attempt, which is terrible. Why would we give them the football more to not gain more yards in the running game? Like, I don't get it. Apparently people just like hitting their head really hard on a wall over and over and over again to see if their skull will crack, which, uh, spoiler alert, it definitely will. Let me turn off my AC here. Hold on. It's like, yes. Did Tampa Bay not run the football very much? Yes, they did. In fact, they ran it less than Dallas did. Like, if you look at Dallas's run, um, rushes, excuse me, let me, I'm trying to, like, stand up here turn off my AC. Like, if you look at Dallas's rushes, um, on Thursday, they essentially had, like, I think three more rushes, if you include Dak's rushes. If you don't include Dak's rushes, 
they essentially have like one less than Tampa. It's like, no, like they had tried to establish the run, not, not even tried to establish the run. They tried to generate something from the running game. And when that was obvious that that just was not going to happen whatsoever at all, they were just like, cool, we're just not going to try and screw our quarterbacks over. God rest his soul. I always mentioned Kobe Bryant and the isolation thing that he did. Like LeBron James, when they were at the Olympics, he was kind of like mocking Kobe. And he was like, like, like when he does, when he freaking flicks his fingers out of the way, that means get the hell out of the way. And it's like, there's a lot of times where I've seen offensive coordinators, where I saw the, uh, the Chargers last year, where I've seen the, the Dallas Cowboys with Jason Garrett, where I've seen teams when their quarterback is operating, they're just like, well, we have to do X thing. We have to run the football. We have to game manage. We have to do this and that instead of freaking going out and winning the damn game. Like they, like people are like, well, let's do this arbitrary thing that isn't working because X player or X ridiculous reason. Like in basketball, right? If the three ball wasn't working and if the inside game was like if the perimeter shots, if the three point shot wasn't falling, why would you shoot more threes? Take it on the inside and the vice versa. If freaking they have an awesome interior defense in basketball, why are you trying to drive on the inside when you're when you're like shooting 60% from the three-point land? It's just like do what works. And what worked for both teams that day wasn't running the football. It was what? Throwing it significantly. Throwing it by like throwing it, um, throwing it how many times? Like both quarterbacks threw it over a hundred times combined. Dak threw it 58 times, Tom Brady threw it 50 times. Like, are you trying to lose the game? I mean, I don't I, like I don't think the Cowboys were. They would have lost the game, again, by larger margins, if, guess what? They'd run it. Same thing goes with Tampa. Tampa, if they run the football 30 times, they're not winning that game. So, yeah, don't run the football if it's not working. That's stupid. So, yeah, Tampa Bay. 15-14 wins. Played phenomenal. Played great. Even their defense shut down Cowboys' um, rushing uh, rushing attack. Fantastic job by Tampa and Tom and all that good stuff. So let me kind of slide on over to, yes, the Dallas Cowboys. Them Cowboys. I did not expect that. I don't think anyone did. Four turnovers. Dak coming out, throwing almost 500 yards. Technically, it was like 408 yards, I believe. Let me switch over to the Cowboys box score. 403 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. I have his statistics written down in my journal. Dak was 72% from the field. He played absolutely phenomenally, right? And I'll start there with Dak Prescott, and then we'll end with the defense. Yeah, like, Dak and the Cowboys are now a top— Dak, The Cowboys have a top-five quarterback— Congratulations to um to Jerry Jones for getting a top five quarterback and almost not paying him. Stephen Jones was right when he's like one of the biggest mistakes in my entire life as a executive for the Cowboys was not paying Dak Prescott earlier and sooner because yeah he's top five. What a surprise! It's almost as if you know some just some just idiot with a microphone has been saying that for the past three years. It's just, it's just oh my god like like Dak Prescott top five quarterback, top ten quarterback. Let's not pay him for like two years straight. And then and then on the third year, after we stunk, let's pay him. 
not. But yes, Dak Prescott, and I'll have to emphasize this point, right? Whenever a quarterback throws for like 72 yards or 72% completion percentage, excuse me, not 72 yards, 72% from the field, that's like Drew Brees level numbers. That's like, you're one of the prolific, you, you essentially had a game that's similar to the most prolific passer in all of football in the history of the sport and Drew Brees. So it's nothing to like scoff at where you're just like, oh man, like Dak Prescott just had a 400 yard game. That doesn't matter. They lost the football game. And the, and again, the conversation that I've seen around, you know, um, on the airways, on the internet is that the Cowboys lost, Dak's performance doesn't matter, blah, 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 blah. And it's just like, well, hold on a minute. People for years have been talking about padded numbers and padded statistics and all this other crap. But when he actually doesn't have, according to most people, and and, and we've talked about this ad nauseum on the on the podcast, Dak doesn't have padded numbers and statistics. We can go over this at a later time and date. We can review this, not go over this. We've gone over this multiple times. Like, we can review this at a later date, but right now I kind of want to say single-minded focused, right? When Dak has great numbers, has a great performance, people are like, well, it doesn't matter. They lost, right? Well, it does matter. A thousand percent matters. And just because they lost, just because the outcome um, isn't the outcome that you wanted, it doesn't mean that the process wasn't important to the outcome, right? Because they could have won that game. You can't just throw away everything in a loss just because it's a loss, right? So Dak came out swinging 42 of 58 again. They essentially said to Dak Prescott, listen, um, we're not going to have you throw the football deep at all this game, right? They had him throw very, very quick intermediate passes, these lateral passes, screen plays. Kellen Moore, again, did a great job setting up a lot of the plays that Dak Prescott would take advantage uh, of the uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with, and they were like, "Yeah, we're not going to let you. We're not going to let you get destroyed, and we're certainly not going to let you. Um, we're certainly not going to let their best players be involved at all in this game. Period. In a discussion. So it was quick throws, and um, and a lot of processing by Dak. I talked about it on Thursday." A lot of pre-snap adjustments, that's him doing hand signals. That's him audibling at the line of scrimmage, telling his guys, his offensive linemen, you know, to switch up the protection schemes. Because sometimes, because it's not as simple sometimes as like a zone scheme. Like, hey, like if this guy comes into this area, you block him or whatever. It's a lot of like, hey, we're going to have freaking, it's, it's very similar to how Brady pass protects. It's a lot of, well, hey, we you have this guy, you have this guy, you know, uh, Connor, you're going to be matched up against Vita Vea, and you may get a combo block with um, with Tyler Biedas, things of that nature, right? It's a lot of that for the Cowboys. Dak had to communicate all that. He gave his wide receivers, you know, um, he gave his wide receivers specific, you know, I don't want to say commands because that's not really that's not really the description of it. He gave his receivers like, what's the word I'm looking for? Chances, I would say. Because he took advantage of certain guys that Tampa Bay was leaving, you know, just wide open for Dak to take advantage of. Like James Dean and like the uh, the slot guy. He gave Amari Cooper shots. He gave Cedric Wilson shots. Or more specifically, chances. He even gave Cedric Wilson chances. Like how, like Dak has, he has, oh my God. I'm like, I'm looking at the box score. He has like, 
one, two, three, four, five, six, seven players on his team that caught more than three passes. All of those players had more than 20 yards, right? Which is a lot. Amari Cooper had 13 receptions. CeeDee Lamb had seven receptions. Dalton Schultz had six. Michael Gallup had four. Tony Pollard had four. Cedric Wilson had three. The only dude that didn't have, by the way, shout out to everybody that's just like, they got to get Zeke the ball. Zeke was the only player that caught passes from Dak that only had two receptions and he only had six yards. Yeah, they really need to give the football to Ezekiel LA. I'll get on him in a couple of minutes. But yes, like what Dak was capable and able of doing for the Cowboys was very rare. It was a very rare performance. Again, 72% from the field is extraordinarily rare for a quarterback, especially when they have a high volume of passes and yards. Like that's just, that's, that's, you don't find that combination really at all in the NFL. And Dak does it essentially on a weekend, weekend basis, weekend, week out basis. Dak will probably, to be honest with you, Dak will probably be in the MVP caliber, um, not MVP caliber, excuse me, MVP, I'm, I don't know what's wrong with me today. He'll be in MVP contention this year, as I see Oregon score on Ohio State. First touchdown of the game. Took a whole quarter. Took an entire quarter for Ohio State to really give up a tutty. Sorry about that. But, like, Dak will be in MVP contention. Dak will probably... He'll probably shatter the um, the single-season passing record which I think was set by Ben, Big Ben, which was like 4,000, not 4,000, 5,300, maybe 5,500 yards. I can just look it up. Hold on. He'll surpass it. The dude gets like 400 yards. Like it's nothing. Let me look up. Let me look up the uh, all-time, all-time season in passing yards. What is it? Uh, oh, it's Peyton Manning. He has it. I thought it was Ben. Ben Roethlisberger, excuse me. So Peyton had 5,477 yards. Dak's probably going to get like 5,500. Oh, and he's going to take uh, the uh, the record that Romo has. Romo has, what is it? The single season passing yards for the Cowboys, which was like 4,905, I believe. Dak almost beat it in 2019. With like 4,901 yard. He was only like a couple of yards off. Dak is going to get all the passing yards this year. Like more likely than not. It's either going to be... I'll have to see Josh Allen and we'll watch Josh Allen obviously tomorrow. He's going to be one of the games we're going to be watching tomorrow. But Dak is probably going to break all of the single season records, passing yard records for the Cowboys. He's probably going to get the all... He's probably going to be the single season leader all time in passing yards this season. And... There's like 17 games. Let's just do some quick math here. I'm very, very bad at math. I don't trust myself to do basic arithmetic. So let me pull out the calculator on Google. 17 times 3. 17 times 3. 51. He'll probably have somewhere close. He may not have 51 touchdowns. He'll probably have like a little bit over 40. Say like 42, 43. Which is awesome. Like, Dak, Dak's going to get a lot of yards. And more importantly than that, Dak is going to get a lot of wins. Okay? Just as I said, I went down the list of teams for Tampa. As I said, like, eight games. 
or four eight games like these are the next eight teams that tampa bay will play against these are the next eight teams defensively or offensively that the tampa bay defense is gonna have to play against they just played one of their hardest games tampa bay same thing goes for the cowboys essentially their hardest their next hardest game will be um kansas city in kansas city that's it like they're not really going up against a lot of difficult football teams this year both of them both the cowboys and the bucks right in the cowboys case next week is going to be their hardest game probably of this month the chargers then they go up against the eagles the panthers the giants all three of those games are home games then they go up against the patriots the vikings the broncos and the falcons so essentially none of those quarterbacks are top 10 or top five maybe you could say justin herbert we'll see he was awesome last year yeah you could say justin herbert's a top 10 quarterback i don't know i don't really have a problem with it i just love how a couple of years ago people were just so freaking hip, uh, hypocritical because they said that you can't put a rookie quarterback in the top 10 because dak prescott was that rookie quarterback that people were talking about being in the top 10 i love how hypocritical people are i never forget i forgive i don't forget but yes like it's essentially justin herbert and then question marks very similarly to uh to what the tampa bay buccaneers have it's just like maybe like one guy and then question marks so dallas offensively with dak like they're not gonna have a game that is played that tight unless justin herbert just plays out of his mind like essentially they're just not going to have another game like that for about two months and again, it's very similar to Tampa because they're not going to have a game like that for, again, another two months as well. And it's just like, again, speaking of the Bucks, like when it comes to the running game or the Bucks' defense against the Cowboys' running game, it's like, yeah, like the Bucks were able to stop Ezekiel Elliott, and we'll talk about Zeke here in a couple of minutes. They were able to shut down Dallas's running game and things of that nature. But do I think that Dallas will throw the football almost 60 times a game for the entirety of the season? No, I, I don't think so. I think their running game, I mean, it should be better. It should be improved and Dak should come back. Not Dak, but Zeke should come back and do something in the running game. I don't think he'll be hot garbage for the entirety of the season. But Zeke in the Cowboys running game, I mean, show me, like everybody's like, well, they should have ran the football more. What does that do? What does running the football do here, right? Are we just arbitrarily running the football to just say that, to just make a obvious, an obvious, like, observation? Like, oh my gosh, they didn't run the football more, right? Or it's not the football more. They didn't run the football a lot. It's like, yeah, they didn't run it a lot because Zeke had checks statistics, 11 carries on 33 yards, 433 yards. He had 3.0 yards per attempt or yards per carry. He was terrible. He was worse than Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones, and both those guys fumbled during the game. But they had like 0.6 and 0.4 more yards, which is terrible, but it's not as terrible as Zeke. It's like, tell me why they should have run the football more. He wasn't going to get any more yards just handshake that your running game isn't very good just handshake that just agree just be like yeah like it's not it's not very good just say that because it's not 
Like, it's nothing special whatsoever. Take a look. Just take a look. Who's their right guard? Oh, it's Connor McGovern. Who's their center? Oh, it's Tyler Biedas. Well, if you, like, and I've heard people be like, well, I don't like Tyler Biedas. He hasn't earned the starting job at center. And then it's like Connor McGovern is coming in for the All-Pro, and he's going up against, like, one of the best rushing defenses. Excuse me, not one of the best. The best rushing defense in the NFL. Why would you run the football against that? That literally makes no sense. That's just like, again, banging your head into a wall, trying to see if your skull won't crack open, which it will. It's obvious. doesn't make any sense. Would I like to see the Cowboys help Dak out by not throwing the football 50, 58 times and taking the pressure off of him just a little bit? Yeah, of course. But at, but at the exact same time, it's just like, I said it during the game. I was just like, win the damn game. Win it. Do what works and win. You're away. You're in hostile territory. You're playing up against Tampa. Win. Don't pretend like you're not freaking getting all of your yards in the passing game and you're getting like none of your yards in the running game. Win. Like Al Davis said, just win, baby. Just win. Like, I'm like, I'm all about winning. I love winning. It's like the best thing ever. And it's like, people are like, just let's, but let's win, but let's win our way. Let's win as long as Ezekiel Elliott gets, gets a bunch of carries. Fuck that. Don't fucking, and now I'm going to, now I'm going to curse. Fuck that. Don't fucking just let Zeke run, let Zeke get a bunch, bajillion carries arbitrarily. Win the damn game. Okay? You're not winning if Zeke gets 30 carries. You're going to lose. Because 30 times 3, because again, his yards per carry, even I can do this, very simple math, 30 times 3 is what? 90. Okay? Specifically, he had 11 carries, so 3 times, yeah, I mean, like, like, it's, oh, oh my god, I'm tripping up myself. 30 carries, which is what a lot of people want Zeke to get, or 20 carries, or however many arbitrary carries you want Zeke to have, just times that by 3. Okay? And then you're like, wait, he's nowhere even close to 100 yards. He would have to get a stupidly high volume of passes. And all of the, excuse, not passes, but carries. And then take all of Dak's passes, take away like 20 additional passes from Dak. So he goes from 58 to 38. And it's just like, oh my God, Dallas probably loses that game by double digits. By like two to three more scores. Like, do people not understand how this works? He was awful. Don't give him the ball. Do not give him... Notice how he never did the feed me thing. As he should. Because he was terrible. Didn't do it at all that game. He was terrible. Don't ever tell me that the Cowboys should arbitrarily win the football when there was absolutely no reason for them to do it when they were terrible at running the football. 11 carries, 33 yards, 3.0 yards per carry. Give me a fucking break. Your quarterback is slinging it all over the turf, and people are like, I hate that Dak Prescott threw the ball 58 times. I love it because they almost won. Anyways. I think I've talked about Zeke. Three touchdowns, one interception. The one interception wasn't even his fault for Dak Prescott. Pre-post-snap adjustments. 
sliding, evading in the pocket, quick progressions. You know, one of my favorite things that Dak did, it was, and again, it, was, it like Dak and Tom played very similarly. It was almost like they were parallels to one another. Where Dak was just like, okay, defense is just, the defense is covering this guy. They're blitzing. I have man to man. Let's just have a speed out, quick slant, etc., etc. right? It was very similar to how like Tom Brady played with New England, right? And even kind of how he plays right now. Where he's just like, cool, let me just not have, why are Ohio State fans taking their shoes off and waving them in the air? I'm not an Ohio State guy. I don't, I don't know. Sorry, I'm just watching football right now. But it's like, what Dak did as a quarterback was essentially, he was just like, listen, man, all I'm going to do is just take what the defense gives me. The defense is taking away my running game. The defense is taking away my deep passing game. They're blitzing me. But what they aren't taking away is my ability to adjust pre-snap. What they're not taking away is my um, just quick routes and hot routes and things of that nature. They're just giving me everything that and anything that I want as a football player. So I'll just take, not anything and everything. They're giving me everything short and quick. So I'll take that. And that's exactly what he did. And really the only times that he went deep were when he was attacking the, uh, the end zone. Things of that nature, which is a staple of the Cowboys offense and Dak Prescott's um, format of playing where he's just like, he, he just, they just like taking shots towards the end zone. They love it. They don't care. They're just like, yeah, we'll just, we'll just freaking slig it downfield. We'll see what happens. We don't care. You think we care? We don't care. 72%, 42 out of 58, 403 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. He was immaculate while also rocking the Jays. He was immaculate. Next eight weeks, Chargers, Eagles, Panthers, Giants, Patriots, Vikings, Broncos, and then Falcons. Tell me the loss. Where's the loss? Where is it? Who's the who's the cornerbacks? Let me a better question to ask, and we can transition from Dak and Zeke to Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb and Michael Gallup. Michael Gallup is now out three to five weeks with a calf strain. That's fine because like some people are like, oh my god, Michael Gallup is out. Four, um, four receptions, 36 yards, nine yards per attempt. Cedric Wilson's going to take his starting reps. Cowboys will be fine. Not worried about that at all. That's why it's a good thing to be like five or six deep at the wide receiver position for just this issue. But it's like, who are the, who are the corners that can match up well against the Cowboys? Not the Chargers, not the Eagles, not the Panthers. I mean, some of these teams have maybe like one corner, like the Eagles, Darius, big play Slay, Darius Slay Jr. The Panthers with J.C. Horn, he had a good preseason. And then the Patriots, they have J.C. Jackson. Broncos, they're like the only team on this schedule that can actually match up with them because they have two corners, Patrick Sertan and Kyle Fuller. But like every other team that I just rattled off, it's just like, wait a second, you only have one good corner playing up against the Cowboys. How exactly are you supposed to take care of CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper during the next, like, couple of games, right? Because it's not just one or the other. It's both. You got to handle both. Then you have to handle 
the other guy. And then potentially it's like it adds another layer to the offense if the offense then gets the running game going, right? And then even the tight ends, they had a pretty decent day as well when it came to just being the checkdowns and the reliable targets, the safety nets for Dak Prescott. Like, who's going to, who's defensively going to stop the Cowboys when the Tampa Bay Buccaneers did? It's a trick question. Nobody can, right? Amari Cooper had a day. He looked absolutely unstoppable. The same thing goes for CeeDee Lamb. You started to see a lot of those yards after catch plays when they gave, when they gave CeeDee Lamb the ball in space. Kellen Moore needs to kind of look at that game again and figure out more ways to give CeeDee Lamb the ball in space. It was awesome to see him just, you know, freaking just get like 10 or 20 additional yards sometimes. Obviously, he's got to fix the drops. He's got to handle and manage the drops. But he had a tutty on an awesome, like, on an awesome, I don't even know what it was called. They were, like, setting up as if it was, like, a bubble screen. And CD, like, just acted like it was. And it was a great fake by him. And then he just ran past the DB for a touchdown. And Dak put an awesome ball on him. It was an immaculate game for CD Lamb and Amari Cooper and the receiving core of Dallas. Like, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. But let's, but let's just run the football because we want to see Zeke do the feed me thing. That's stupid. That's stupid. Dallas's wide receivers were, were immaculate. Their quarterback was even better. Their running back sucked. Um, I, I said it before. I'll say it again. I was like on the fence, especially when Chris Sims said it. He was like, listen, man. I don't really know how big the, the the Zeke thing will play into. I got to see the, the Zeke weight loss thing to believe it. And I was way more, like, whenever people said to me, like, oh, man, the Zeke thing, like, Zeke lost weight. Zeke lost weight. Oh, my God, he lost weight. I don't know why my voice got so high, but, like, whenever people were talking to me about Zeke losing weight, I was like, bro, he's a power back. And I thought this in the back of my mind, and then I got it confirmed by Chris Sims. I was like, isn't he a power back? He's not a speed back. He's not an edge back. He's lost speed. Why are we clapping it up for Zeke losing weight? He needs to be like 230. He's 218. Why is he 218? He does not look fast at all. He couldn't run past JPP and Shaq Barrett when he found the edge. He couldn't hit holes hard. He didn't have that same power, that same strength. Like, he got the bulk of the rushes for the Cowboys... And Tony Pollard looked better better than he did. I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't understand it. Zeke was terrible. We'll see what he does next week. Because next week they're going up against the um they're going up against the Chargers. I don't know how good their run defense is. We'll kind of see what happens um, tomorrow. But Where's the lie? Show me the lie. Show me why, like, tell me why the Cowboys should have run Ezekiel Elliott, and I'll tell you, like, 80 reasons. I'll, I'll tell you a reason why they shouldn't. A reason. I don't even need, like, multiple reasons. I'll tell you a reason. They would have lost the game easier. Or not easier, but they would have lost the game more handedly. The margin for the the losing margin, or whatever it's called. I forgot. I forgot the term, but it's just like, they would have lost by a larger margin. There we go. 
if they had ran the football. Some people would have just done the idiotic thing and said, well, they still would have lost regardless, but it's just like, you're not, hey, pay attention. You're not paying attention, okay? Okay? It's not about, again, whether or not you lose. It's the process in which that you do sometimes, right? It's like, it is about winning, but sometimes it's like, did I win by, did I win or lose by two points or three points or seven points or six points or set or five points or however many points? Like sometimes that matters, especially against the competition that you're facing off just as much and slightly less, just as much or slightly less than like whether or not you win or lose, right? I know I'm, it's a little bit confusing. I'm not taught, I'm not speaking very well. I apologize. But like, the Cowboys losing by two points against the Bucks, and I said this for weeks, if not months. I said, like, you know, if the Cowboys lose week one to Tampa Bay in a nail-biter finish where Tom Brady just, like, just, like, you know, had, like, I, I don't remember the exact score that I said, but I was essentially speaking in, like, hypotheticals here. But, like, essentially, I was talking about, like, if, it, if they won, if Tampa won the game on, like, a late field goal and Tom Brady had to, like, had to essentially drive down the field with like a minute left or two minutes left. It's like, I'm fine with that loss. It's like, if you, if they lost like 30 to six, then it's just like, okay, completely different story here, right? Because it's different because they lost by larger margins, right? Significantly different. So in the Cowboys case, like they're fine offensively, defensive wise, uh, kind of a shocker to me. Oh yeah, let me let me speak on the offensive line. Offensive line played great. Tyron Smith manhandled Shaq Barrett a couple of times. Shaq Barrett got a sack, but it kind of wasn't Dak's fault. I was watching the sack. It was weird how like Dak operated sometimes in the red zone because I was watching the sack that he got sacked on. It looked like he had a clean enough pocket to me, and he was looking to his left, and I felt like he misread the defensive line against his offensive line because I didn't think that he should have bailed out of the pocket because when he bailed uh, and and left the pocket, Shaq Barrett had his head up and was looking in the backfield and he got off his block against Tyron because Tyron had better inside leverage than outside leverage. So when Dak cut to the outside, Shaq Barrett cut to the outside and then Shaq Barrett sacked Dak. And I thought that he should have squared up his hips, thrown the ball away, something because he was doing that all game and weirdly enough that was the only time where he just did not square his hips and like just chuck the ball into the third row especially out of the pocket I don't know what he was seeing downfield I wish I could have seen it but he just should have chucked it downfield and thrown it out of bounds it happens Connor McGovern did a great job Leo Collins the right tackle for the Cowboys let me just check um is out potentially because apparently he did not take a drug test so that's a big no-no let me kind of just like check making sure that like john mashoda or somebody else didn't put something out apparently he's gonna try and um and um get the he's he's going through the appeals process um sometimes the NFL will just lay out a significantly like what's the word I'm looking for. They'll lay out like a very, very harsh punishment, but it will be reduced down to like significantly less if you appeal it or whatever. 
So they'll probably appeal it. They'll probably get what they want out of the appeals process and they'll probably be fine. So we'll kind of see what happens with um, with Leo Collins, but he's out for like potentially five weeks, which again is fine. That is the Patriots game that he's out for. Excuse me, that's up until the Patriots game that he's out for. He'll be able to return and he'll be able to be eligible by the Vikings week. And that is, again, also when Michael Gallup should return. And by that point in time, Dallas should be either 4-1 or 5-0. Again, the Chargers are their hardest game. So, we'll see what happens with the Cowboys. Um, What else? What else? What else? Offensively. Yeah, that's it. Dak played phenomenally. Dak, um, everybody is talking about how, like, that's his best career game. His best game of his career, probably. That'll that'll win you a lot of games in the in the NFL. I think um, I was thinking about this like yesterday. I thought going from ten and seven, I thought that going into this season the Cowboys were going to be ten and seven, and now I think that they're probably going to be twelve and five, thirteen and four. The seventeen game season is kind of tripping me up, but yeah, they're going to win a lot of games. They're going to win their division pretty easily. And again, like everybody's talking about Washington's defense as if it's like, you know, as if it's just like the the greatest defense ever or whatever, or if it's like a top five defense, it's not as Justin Herbert will prove tomorrow. And it's like, I look at Washington and I'm just like, dude, it's the exact same thing that Dallas had to deal with, with Tampa, except better. Because Washington doesn't have like an elite covered safety. They have Landon Collins, who's a strong safety. And then they also have like no dual duo linebackers, duo linebackers, excuse me, on their football team. And then to make matters worse, they don't have an elite corner on their team. It's like, it's worse. And then on top of that, they don't have their quarterback. Their quarterback situation is terrible. Like it's like worse on worse on worse. It's like everything that, everything that Dallas wanted to exploit against Tampa and did exploit against Tampa. Washington is like a mirror matchup. It's just like they they are the exact same thing except slightly worse. It's ridiculous. Like, wait, people are predicting that the Cowboys are going to lose? I got to plug in my computer. Hold on. Hold on. It's weird. It's like people are predicting that, like, the Cowboys are going to lose to Washington. Hold on. Sorry about that. But it's like people are predicting that the Cowboys are going to like lose to Washington for like the NFC East. And people are also predicting the Giants are also going to beat the Cowboys. I'm like, dude. I'm like, like there's nothing else to say. I'm like, that Dallas has a top five quarterback. All of the other NFC quarterbacks are probably below average besides maybe Daniel Jones. I actually like Daniel Jones a lot. I just, I do not like how his team has played. And I do not like how his coaching staff has kind of led him out to die and dry. But I'm like, where's the lie? Where's the, you know, where's like, where is the Washington defense, you know, like just awesomeness that's supposed to beat the Cowboys? I don't see it. I don't know. Let me kind of like transition it to um to the kicker unit. I'll just say this, right? Dallas's special teams 
not the kicker unit, but the special teams. My bad. Dallas' special teams are not very good. They gave up big returns. Their kicker, Greg Zerline, missed very, very easy chip shots that if he had, mi- if he had made, especially the 37-yard field goal, if he had made that one, the chip shot, boom, Dallas wins that game. They go from 29-31 to 32-31, and then you tackle on the extra point, and then it's 33-31. And then Tom Brady, like, the, re- the reality is Tom Brady, it changes the entire course of that game because Tom Brady can't just walk down the football field and, and hit a field goal. He has to go for a touchdown. And it changes the complete dynamic of the game. And maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. But again, talking about the margins of victory and losses, you know, how you lose and kind of the process in which you get to losing or the process in which you get to winning, like, it trims the margin down for for loss. It makes it even like that much closer. It's like if he has to score a touchdown in, in the end of the game, it's like you're fine with that. Like maybe you're not fine with him having to hit a field goal, but it's like a touchdown, that's that's significantly harder. But it's like, you know, it's Tom Brady, so he probably would have scored it anyways. But regardless, hitting those three field goals or two field goals is important. And I thought that he had missed like two easy chip shots. I didn't realize that it was a 60-yarder. My bad. I don't necessarily like them going for a 60-yard field goal, but I... I get the reasoning behind it. They're just like, yeah, we trust Greg Zerline. He has a big boot. He's accurate. He's a good kicker. They went for it. They needed points. Always take the points, ladies and gentlemen. I always, I always, I always say this. You will never, ever, 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 ever catch me saying that you should never take points or never try to go for points, okay? You always go for points. So whenever people are like, well, I don't like points or I don't want the Cowboys to go. Like the Cowboys are like, if we can get a little bit more, if we can just get a little bit more points, if we can get a little bit more, it may set us up over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Unfortunately, they didn't get the points. And that's fine. That's okay. But at the same token, it's just like, I like, I don't know. It's a hard, it's a hard freaking decision to make. I don't hate the decision, but I'm not necessarily in love with the decision to go with 60 yards. If you like your kicker that much, then go for it, but it has to be in very, very specific situations, usually in like very, very rare situations. But like Tom Brady, they love they love going into the second half with a touchdown under their belt with an additional touchdown. So I'm like, I'm not like super mad that they were like, yeah, we got to go for an additional, we got to go for like more points or whatever. I'm not like, super mad about that i'm just mad that like their kicker missed two easy field goals that's what i'm mad about over the 60 yarder because they would have won if they had hit the 60 yarder um then we'll kind of like end the game with the uh with the defense and then i'll kind of give you some final conclusions it'll essentially be the tldr of the whole you know dallas versus tampa bay saga um, defense played pretty well. I rewatched Demarcus Lawrence. He played very, very well. I finally saw him a couple of different times. The turnover was key. It was important. You know, talking about, for example, for example, some of the more important statistics, I always like to talk about quarterback hits, which he didn't really have any sacks. Again, he didn't have any interceptions. He's a defensive lineman. Then the most important forced fumbles and fumbles recovered. And he had a big one. He had a big one. 
And it was like when he freaking punched out that ball from, I think it was uh, Ronald Jones. I was just like, that is an impactful play. That is a play that helped contribute to the Cowboys win. He actually helped out. He, he kind of worked very well against Tristan Wirfs. I was kind of surprised. It was, it was a pretty solid game for him. I'll say that. It was a semi-solid game for Micah Parsons, but I'm not really surprised. And, I, and again, it's just like, you know, understanding context in the process. It's just like, bro, I'm not about to expect Micah Parsons to play well against Tom Brady. He eats rookie defensive players for breakfast. And by the way, shout out to Osa Digizuwa. I did not see him whatsoever. And for like the third time, I watched the game three times. The third time I was focusing on the defensive line, didn't even see him. Barely even noticed him. I completely forgot that he was playing, to be honest with you. Because I was like, that's how forgettable, forgettable, excuse me, Osa Digizuwa is, or was, against the other Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I was just like, wait, he's, he is playing for the Cowboys again. But Demarcus Lawrence had a good game. Um, I'm kind of surprised at how often they were able to get some form of pressure against Tom. And again, like Tom Brady, he also needed to react very quickly at times. It was way more, okay, if Tom doesn't get the football off in this amount of time, then the pressure is going to come and, and maybe the pocket collapses and makes it harder for him to throw the football. Dorrance Armstrong came over and tried to swipe at Brady's arm and he shifted the ball to the left out of harm's way, which was fantastic by Tom Brady. And it was just like potentially another forced fumble that the Dallas Cowboys could have gotten, right? Defensively. I don't think, I don't think Justin Herbert's going to do the exact same thing as, I I don't think Justin Herbert's going to play as elite as Tom Brady. I don't think, again, like the multitude of different teams that the Dallas Cowboys are going to play against are going to play as well as Tom Brady. They played awesome. The front seven played awesome. They shut down the run as they 1,000% should have and needed to shut down the run. It was awesome. And, you know, the like I, I liked what they were doing when it comes to pressure. Like, it's so hard. And I don't know what the solution to this is. Better coverage from your DBs. But, like, Throwing the football in like two seconds, it's like the majority of defensive linemen, if not the entirety of defensive linemen, can't get to the pass, can't get to the quarterback at all, unless just an offensive lineman just screws it up. Like it's so hard to get to the quarterback in two seconds. So hard. Like ask Joey Bosa against Tom Brady, ironically enough, in the AFC championship game or AFC divisional game, like in 2017, like four years ago, when it was just like Tom Brady's getting the ball away and like, two seconds like what do I do it's ridiculous by the way Oregon just scored against Ohio State again 13-7 same play same position it was like a toss play they had a guard pulling with the running back and I mean it was all she wrote it's like literally the exact same play I think it's like 5-6 again who helps who pulls right 5-6 oh no it's the left tackle never mind but it's like the exact same concept it's ridiculous Sorry. Anyways, um, Dallas's defense played pretty well. I was happy with it. Uh, the only thing that I'm not happy at all with is Anthony Brown and Jordan Lewis and Calvin Joseph cannot come back from injury sooner because yikes, they were both playing really, really badly, especially, especially Anthony Brown. Early on in the game, it just seemed like they were attacking him because they knew that they could get yards. 
They could get catches. They could get touchdowns. They could get whatever they wanted against Anthony Brown. And they did. They got everything that they... Like, I don't know... Like, how they... Like, I like I don't know... Like, I'm just flabbergasted at how bad Anthony Brown played. I'm just flabbergasted. He's just... He just played terribly. Worse than that, like, a lot of their big plays Tampa Bay got, like... Like, I remember somebody was talking about how Kelvin Joseph, if, if Kelvin Joseph, you know, was matched up against Antonio Brown, then he would have had the catch-up speed to catch up to Antonio Brown uh, with that touchdown at the bottom of the second half, second quarter, excuse me. And it's just like, no, he wouldn't have. Because Tom Brady threw the ball perfectly in stride to an Antonio Brown that was running full speed, who had already had like five yards of separation against Anthony Brown like there's no way anybody in the league no matter how fucking fast you are is catching him there's just no way but yeah like their secondary needs a lot of work and they're going to get tested again next week against the Chargers probably not against the Eagles Panthers they'll get tested against and then the Giants Giants as well but I mean Essentially, a lot of the teams that they're going to face off against, like, for example, the the Chargers, the Eagles, the Panthers, the Giants, the Patriots, the Vi- like, literally all of their teams besides the Falcons, all those teams want to do is run the football. That's all they want to do. And it's just like, oh, wait, we got players now that can help stop the run. And now, God help you, if Dak Prescott gets out on the football field. By the way, people are, are going to complain about game managing for Dak and stuff like that. Like, dude, they had like, I think going into the second half, like double the, like going into the fourth quarter, they had double the time of possession for Tampa. Like they were dominating time of possession, but regardless, Dallas's defense played well. Um, Micah Parsons is probably going to improve significantly, especially because he's not going to have to go up against Tom Brady every single week. And then on top of that, right. I liked what Dallas did when it came to just saw Chris Olave just drop a touchdown pass. I liked what Dallas's defense did when it came to their linebackers. They had an obvious run game, like running down linebacker core. They had Jalen and Layton, and then they had um, in coverage Keanu Neal and Micah Parsons. They were like, we got to kind of figure out how we got to freaking figure out how we can use these other linebackers like Jalen and Layton. And how they used them was by essentially being like, yeah, like you guys are going to be, you guys are going to be our early down running back package, our rushing, our running, um, our running down linebacker package. And then we're going to freaking send out the big boys. We're going to send out Micah and Keanu Neal, which I have no problem with. I also don't have any problems with like Keanu Neal and Micah Parsons getting destroyed by Rob Gronkowski and Tom Brady, because there's literally hundreds, if not thousands of plays of, Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski de- destroying people. So I'm like, I don't, I'm not, I'm not really like that upset that a rookie linebacker and a safety turn linebacker couldn't stop Rob Gronkowski. I'm like, I don't really care. Like again, they're not going to go up against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers until the playoffs. And then they'll probably be a better team in the playoffs. So we'll see what happens with the Cowboys. Pretty awesome game overall. Defensively, they need work at the secondary and cornerback position. Uh, Greg Zerline has got to be has got to play better. I don't know where Kai Forbath is. Um, Kai, get ready. Just get ready. You know what? Don't even get ready. I hope you've been staying ready because uh, Greg Zerline 
he did not have a good game. Not have a good game at all. He's got hit like I think he said it. He's just like if I hit some of those those um field goals, I win or not I win, but we win that game. And he's absolutely right. They do win if he hits like a couple more of those field goals or he makes the degree of difficulty for Tom Brady like spike because they go from oh crap we have to hit a field goal to oh crap we have to we have to score a fucking touchdown you know there's a significant difference significant boost significant like problems uh, for Tom Brady in that department they still probably win the game because I think it was like first they got it all the way down like inside the 15 or the 10 of the Cowboys so they still probably win the game but it's a little bit harder to win the game so there you go let me take a swig it's like i've been talking for an hour and i've only taken like one swig of water mm. so we'll kind of in the podcast with giving weekend predictions for you know, for the uh, for the games tomorrow. Again, we will be casting Bills versus Pittsburgh. Not Packers at Saints. We'll be casting um, Chiefs versus Browns. I was like, who is it? I'm like, who's playing in Chiefs versus Browns? And then um, the final game we'll be casting on Sunday is Bears versus Rams. And then Monday Night Football as well. And then we'll kind of wrap up everything that happened over the course of the weekend on Tuesday. Including college football, which I'm watching Ohio State versus Oregon. The score is 14-7 right now. Bottom of the second quarter. Two minutes, 38 seconds left. Ohio State just attempted another fourth down play that did not work. Panay Sewell's brother made the play. And Ohio State is not playing very well. Okay. Anyways, let me sit down now because I got to go on my computer and look up a bunch of <clears throat> nerdy stuff here. So, um, what do we got going on? So last year, I, for the first time, oops, sorry, microphone, screwing up. So last year for the first time, I essentially decided to predict every single football game and watch significantly more football. I decided I was going to watch more college football and I decided I was going to watch more NFL football. And I also decided that I was going to make more predictions and things of that nature for, you know, um, for the podcast. And I was going to have a weekend week out. Oh my gosh. I'm like burping. I apologize. I was going to make it a, a like weekend week out predictions list of football teams that were going to win and lose and things of that nature, right? So that was kind of what I did last year um, for the entirety of the season, right? And I already made my list of games about a month ago, my list of predictions for the regular season. But I kind of want to go back, right? I kind of want to go back to 2020 and kind of like just, Self scout. Look at you know. Look at some of the games that I had. Things of that nature, right? So like last year, I think overall in the regular season, my success rate is or was, and success rate essentially being the amount of correct picks 
that I have, it was like 69.53%. So I successfully picked 69.53% of the games, which by a lot of, by all intents and purposes, I've seen a lot of people do like straight up picks and a lot of people get them wrong, get a lot of football games wrong, like incredibly wrong. So by success, and by incredibly wrong, I mean like, uh, they were in the 50s. I'm almost in the 70s when it comes to predicting games and things of that nature. So in my case, 69.53% was my success rate in the regular season. and the playoffs, it skyrocketed to 76.92%. And then overall with postseason, regular season, it finished off being like 69.88%. I really just wanted 70. I'm like, just give me 70, man. Just give me 70. Give me 70%. Like 70% is stupidly high, but I didn't get it. I got 69. I'm gonna... Gonna beat 69 next year. Or this year, excuse me. Not next year, this year. This year. I'm going for 70. 70 plus. One day I hope to successfully pick 80% of the games, but that's probably never going to happen. But that's a nice little goal to strive for. So week one was one of my best weeks when it came to picking games. I had 13 wins or 13 successful picks, three unsuccessful picks. And I even predicted the upset of that year, um, of that week, which a lot of people had the Eagles winning it. <laughs> the Eagles were, everybody was like, the Eagles are going to win it. The Eagles are going to win it. And I was like the only person that picked Washington love it but yeah i i had in week one of last year i had 13 wins three uh three losses three unsuccessful picks i had an 81.25 percent success rate it was fantastic for me and i'm already off with an absolute banger this weekend as well going into this weekend 100 percent for 2021 successfully picked the Dallas Cowboys versus the Bucks. Um, this list of games that I have in front of me, picks and, you know, just picks and things of like that, this list of games has essentially stayed the exact same for about a month. I made my last prediction list on August 18th. It's September 11th now. And essentially for like a month, I've essentially been pretty static on my predictions and things of that nature. The only one that I've changed over the last month is the Jags and the Titans. Jags and Texans. And really, it can go both ways. They're both terrible football teams. But um, talked about how I thought the Bucks were going to win. Talked about how I thought the Cowboys were going to lose. I'm already up 1-0 right now. 100% success rate. Pretty fantastic about that. Pretty excited about that. Seahawks versus Colts. Let's get it going. Let's get it started. Uh, Carson Wentz. His big return to playing football after a absolutely atrocious year last year versus Russell Wilson. Thought they were playing in Seattle. That would have been an automatic loss. It still is. I have the uh, the Seahawks beating the Colts. I don't know how... Like, Carson Wentz is not Dak Prescott. He's not very cerebral. He doesn't really change plays at the offensive line, at the line of scrimmage, excuse me, uh, for the better. He doesn't change passing schemes. I've seen this guy play a lot. And um, he just does not do things that Seattle will force him to do on Sunday. He just don't. He won't change the coverage. Or the, um, more specifically, um, the, uh, the, pass, the pass protection, I guess. 
Jamal Adams, uh, leader in sacks for DBs all time when it comes to single season. Has the single season. I don't know what's going on with my English today. Single, my, my brain is fried right now. Single season holder, sack leader holder, all time for Jamal Adams for a defensive back. I think he's going to have another big day against the Colts because I think Carson Wentz is terrible. Problem with Seattle, they don't have any good corners and um, they don't have any pass rush. So it will be solely on Jamal Adams tomorrow against Seattle. And then Russell Wilson is going up against a pretty awesome defense. Darius Leonard, DeForest Buckner, um, Xavier Xavier Howard? Xavier Rhodes, excuse me, not Xavier. I'm thinking of Xavier Howard of the Dolphins. Xavier Rhodes, excuse me, of the Colts is hurt. He's out. He's done. He's not playing tomorrow. So that should be a pretty interesting situation. You know, Russell Wilson, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, just awesome football players to go around for Russell Wilson and the uh, the Seattle Seahawks. It's going to be very, very difficult for the Colts to squeak out of there with a, uh, with a win, just because I think Russell Wilson is significantly better than the Colts. But I mean, not the Colts. I think he's better than Carson Wentz, but we'll see. We'll see. Carson Wentz has Michael Pittman Jr. and T.Y. T.Y. Hilton and Paris Campbell looked pretty pretty good after being hurt these last two last two seasons. He's coming back in his third year, and hopefully he can do some some for the Colts. Yes, Carson Wentz versus the Seattle Seahawks. I'm picking Seattle. Jags versus Texans. One of the games that I've gone back and forth from, and about a month ago, if you had asked me who would win, I would have said the Texans. Um, I'm going to say the Jags. I liked Trevor Lawrence against the Cowboys that final week. I thought he played fantastic. And I saw, I think I saw every single snap multiple times of his in the preseason, or at least two of his games multiple times in the preseason. I can't remember. And as I was watching Trevor play, I saw him week one. And I was just like, this doesn't look good. He lacks pocket presence. He's struggling. I don't like this at all. Going from that to week two, to week three against the Cowboys, and I was just like, oh, he's playing like a real NFL quarterback. He he refound, he redeveloped his pocket presence. He's making plays, the correct plays to LaVisca Chenault. I really, really liked what I saw from Trevor Lawrence versus the Dallas Cowboys and how he improved in the preseason significantly and how he kind of got his footing again in the preseason, especially with the ones. I really, really liked what he did. The Texans are terrible. Um, I'm worried because Tyrod Taylor looked fantastic as well against the Cowboys as well. So, I don't really know. It's kind of a toss-up. I'll say I like the Jags better because I like some of their talent on defense. Josh Allen, Caleb on uh, CJ Henderson. We'll see. I think Shaquille Griffin is probably the best corner right now on both teams. So, that's not really saying a whole lot. We'll see. See what happens with the Jags and the Texans. I, I, Right now, I think the Jags have it. I think they got it. I think they have it. I don't even think it's really that close. I think the Jags will go in a UT or, excuse me, not <laughs> UT. I think the Jags will go into Texas and squeak out with a win. I'm not doing scores as well because I don't really care about scores. I'm just straight up picks. Jags versus Texans. I think I, yeah, Jags, Jags. Falcons at Eagles, another game that I'm going to have and that I'm going to watch. Um, I like the I like the Falcons. 
Did I say Jags versus Eagles? I meant to say, excuse me, Falcons versus Eagles. I have the Falcons. Um, both teams have new coaches. I like Matt Ryan better than I like Jalen Hurts. I like the passing attack for Matt Ryan more than I like Jalen Hurts. It's going to be hard for Atlanta to screw this game up. Unless, like, the defense for the Eagles plays, like, out of their mind and Jalen Hurts plays out of their mind. This is, like, one of those games that could potentially be, like, a game that I come to, like, regret. I'm just like, huh, Jalen Hurts could kind of prove me wrong here. Jalen Hurts could embarrass me on national television again. Maybe not again. He hasn't embarrassed me. He's embarrassed a lot of people. It's one of those things where it's just like, Jalen Hurts is going up against kind of a suspect Falcons defense, but there's this thing, there's this weird thing with bird teams, and I, I kid you not, this is a very real, this is a real thing, this is a very, very real, real thing, that if you are a bird team going up against a bird team, so if you are the, for example, like the Falcons, the Eagles, the um the Hawks there there's no Hawks in the, in the NFL but bear with me now again if you are a bird team going up against another bird team that um the home team wins like it's ridiculous it's like eighty percent or something ridiculous like that I don't know the the actual statistics but it's like a ridiculously high winning percentage for um the home bird team right so. It's Eagles versus Falcons. The home team is the Falcons. To me, it's an automatic pick um, because of the whole bird team narrative. And yes, I'm not kidding. That's a real thing. And on top of that, the Falcons, I believe, are a better team. But we'll, we'll kind of see. It will literally be a statistical anomaly if the Eagles win. But they won't. So we'll see. Oh, yeah. I also get to see Kyle Pitts play. That'll be fun. Against the Eagles. We'll see what happens. Chargers versus Washington. Washington's overrated. I don't think their defense is as great as people are describing it as. I don't think their secondary is as great as people want it to be. I think Ryan Fitzpatrick is overrated, and I think way too many people like him because of a nickname and because he's a great media person. You know, he wears chains to... He wears chains and and uh, button downs that he unbuttons to freaking <laughs> to freaking what is it to freaking press conferences like people like that shit. I don't really I don't care. Like he's a media darling. People like him in the media. I don't really care. I think he's overrated. Um, Terry McLaurin, Deami Brown, they aren't overrated, but I really I don't know how Washington is going to beat the Chargers if Justin if Justin Herbert plays fantastic which he he probably will because he's that's my guy that's Justin that's Justin Herbert that's just what he does he just plays well he scores a bunch of touchdowns and gets a bunch of yards that's that's who he is as a quarterback so Justin's going to be awesome Justin's going to be fine Washington I think is overrated it's going to be interesting to see uh, Rashawn Slater go up against essentially his worst fucking nightmare and and um oh no not Rashawn Slater excuse me it's gonna be interesting to see Chase Young excuse me go up against his worst fucking nightmare being Rashawn Slater because he got absolutely brutalized and dominated by Rashawn Slater but again we'll see what happens Chase Young 
Rashawn Slater, Justin Herbert, bad secondary. Cannot wait. Cannot wait. Cannot wait. Um, it, it'll probably be something like a lot of teams are essentially going to put all of their um, all of the pressure on the quarterback because I mean they don't have a running game. Like a lot of some of these teams are going to have to do that. Like exactly like the Chargers, it's just like where's their where's their quarterback help? Who is their quarterback? I don't I don't know who their quarterback is. Not their quarterback, excuse me. Who's their running back? Who is it? I don't know who it is. I don't know. All I know is, is that Justin is going to have to do a whole lot of caring tomorrow because his freaking running back core is not very good. Chargers at Washington. I'm taking Chargers because I think they're freaking overrated. Oh my God. Watching Aaron Andrews interview, interview Aaron Rodgers. Really? Exclusive one-on-one. Oh, it's like 12 p.m. Eastern. Okay. It's like an hour before the game. Freaking, oh my God, it's going to be so awesome. I get to see Caden Slovis today as well at like 10.30 p.m. Why? Why? (laughs) They're just like, yeah, let's just put them all in, in the latest of late categories that we possibly can play them in and let's just, oh my God, I hate that. Sorry, um, anyways, Chargers at Washington should be a very, very easy game for the Chargers. I don't, I don't think Justin Herbert will lose against the Chargers. They're the freaking Chargers. Steel, not the Chargers, not, oh my god, I'm getting, like, like, I'm getting teams confused. I, I don't think he'll lose against Washington because it's Washington. Um, anyways. Steelers versus Bills, okay? So, this is the game we're gonna watch. This is Josh Allen versus the Pittsburgh Steelers defense. Again, no number one corner for Pittsburgh. I think it's going to be kind of similar to Dallas in the sense of like, Josh Allen is going to have to carry his football team and play well tomorrow for them to win. And um, I don't think Pittsburgh, I don't I, like Najee Harris is there. Najee Harris is going to do his thing. We'll see. But I am worried about Pittsburgh's lack of a um, offensive line, or more specifically, how his offensive line essentially just got formed literally like over the course of the offseason. They replaced all five of his offensive linemen with dudes who I don't really know anything about. And then the worst thing is they could have gotten really awesome offensive linemen, and then they didn't, and then they got a running back, and they didn't get a quarterback. And <sighs> Yikes. Not very good. Regardless, um, Wash- not Washington. The Steelers are going to have their hands full with, obviously, Josh Allen and now, obviously, Stephon Diggs as well. So it's going to be kind of interesting to see what's going to happen with, with the offensive line of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Their defense with TJ Watt, he just got signed. He's coming back. He's playing. Apparently, he, like, walked out on his... On his agent's advice, he's just like, fuck it. I'm going to, I, I want to be a, a Pittsburgh Steeler and I'm going to sign with the Steelers. He's just like, all this, all this negotiating shit, it's over with. You have the entire offseason, I'm going in and I'm getting signed. Let me take a swig of water. Hold on. He's just like, you think I won't get signed? You think I won't get re signed? Watch me. I'll get re signed, bitch. I'll do it myself if I have to. And he did. He's a Pittsburgh Steeler for 
the foreseeable future. And um, again, Josh Allen, he's going to have his hands full. He will have his hands full. I wouldn't want to go up against that monster. Josh Allen and the Bills, I think we'll beat the Steelers. Because I don't think the Steelers can be able to hold Josh Allen. I don't think they'll be able to stop Stephon Diggs. I don't be. I don't think they'll be able to stop Josh Allen. And I mean, really, like all the, like all, the, like really, the Steelers—they're worse because they lost Bud Dupree. T.J. Watt's coming back. No number one corner. They still have Minka Fitzpatrick. He's still awesome. But it's like, I don't like this matchup for the Steelers because. Because they just don't have enough to me to be able to contain Stephon Diggs and stop Josh Allen. I don't know. And then it's like, God help you if if freaking the Bills get their running game off. Because then it's just like, oh my God. That's just... It's just going to compound on how difficult it will be for them to win. And I think it's already really hard for them to win this game. Or it's going to be really hard for them to win this game. We'll see what happens though. Anyways, um, I got the uh, the Bills beating the Steelers. <laughs> Vikings, oh no, not Vikings at Bengals. We'll do that in like two seconds. 49ers versus Lions. 49ers. Apparently, like, oh my god, dude. Oh my god. Like, the Lions can't just freaking catch a break, can they? Taylor Decker, their left tackle is out. So, what they essentially should have done early on, which I thought they should have just moved Taylor Decker to right tackle to begin to begin with, um, they'll essentially have to do later on. Because Taylor Decker is now out. Panay Sewell is going to swap positions again. He's gonna, he, he was a left tackle in college. He is now going to play right tackle for them, which I don't know why he wasn't already playing right tackle for them. Leave that up to Zach Taylor and the coaching staff to screw that one up. But he's now going to play left tackle instead of right tackle, which he should have been playing already. And um, it's going to be Josh Allen's first introduction to pain, suffering, and misery that is known for that the, that the Detroit Lions, excuse me, are known for. Uh, they're not going to win on Sunday. It's not even going to be close. 49ers are going to go in and destroy them. 49ers are healthy. They didn't lose Nick Bosa either in like the second or third game of the season. It, it's Nick Bosa again. 49ers are back. Fred Warner's back. George Kittle's back. Kyle Juszczyk is back. Brandon Ayuk is back. Debo Samuel is back. Trent Williams is back. Everybody's back. The boys are back in town. Something like that. It's going to be a nightmare. It's going to be a bloodbath. How do they win? How do the Lions win? How is DeAndre Swift? Going? <laughs> I, saw, I, I saw the thing on the internet where it's just like, Apparently he is being alleged like he is involved in like a murder or something like that. I'm like, like that's it's probably not real. But how many people were like circulating that for like a hot minute is is hilarious. I'm just like that's hilarious. Anyways, um, <laughs> oh my god. Wait, 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 hold on, hold on, I gotta, oh my god, I just saw on Ian Rappaport's Twitter that apparently the Eagles, really? The Eagles are making a big commitment to their left tackle, ironically enough, Jordan, 
Mylata? He's an eighty billion dollar left tackle. I'm like, how is that even possible? I didn't I I don't I don't get it. I don't understand it. Jordan Mylata's a eighty million dollar oh what whatever, whatever. Forty million guaranteed. Okay. Okay. Anyways, sorry about that. 49ers versus Lions. I don't need I don't need to spend any more time with this. The Lions suck. They're gutted. They're terrible. They have a new head coach um, who's like three years out, two years out technically, from like being a playoff team. They're probably going to be in the top 10 when it comes to draft picks. Probably not going to win a whole lot of football games. Super easy game. 49ers at Lions, 49ers. Vikings at Bengals. I saw the story of how apparently, what's his name? Jamar Chase can't catch passes because they're, not NCAA balls. No, he didn't say that. He didn't say that at all. I saw the interview. He didn't say that at all. Um, it's going to be interesting because I don't like either one of the... I don't like the Vikings that much. And I think the Bengals are quietly a good team if Joe Burrow can come in and play awesome. But it's going to be an interesting game just because it's Joe Burrow's return just like Dak Prescott in his return. Jamar Chase is coming back. T. Higgins is was awesome for them last year. Joe was awesome last year for them. Joe Mixon was awesome as well. There's like two Joes, Joe Burrow, Joe Mixon. They were both awesome last year. They got a new right tackle in Jackson Carmen. Black. Blech. Could have gotten Terrace Marshall Jr. and he would have been awesome for them. But, you know, whatever. Um, It's so close, man. I don't think it's as far away as people want to make it out to be. I don't... I don't get why the Vikings are such a strong contender in that division. I don't get why people think they're going to go to the playoffs. I, I don't understand it. Christian Darisaw, their right tackle that they drafted this year, he's out for like this game. I, I don't get I don't get the Vikings. I don't understand the Viking uh, the Vikings hype. Um, it's the Vikings are going to win this game as I go on a short little diatribe about the Vikings, but it's but it's way closer than people want or expect it to be. Or at least I expect it to be. It's going to be way closer. Like, the Vikings have a shot at actually losing that game. Jets versus Panthers. I kind of flip-flopped with this game as well. I thought it was going to be the Jets. It's going to be the Panthers, I think. Um, I like a lot of the players on the Jets. I like Denzel Mims. I like Elijah Wood. I like Zach Wilson. I like um, Mekhi Becton. Uh, Jamison Crowder. Crinton. Not Yeah, is it Jamison Crowder? Yeah, Jamison Crowder. C.J. Mosley. Um, Quentin Williams is a shame that they got rid of Jamal Adams, obviously. But I like a lot of their players. Michael Carter, the running back out of North Carolina. I like a lot of their players, but I just, I don't know how they're going to put it together in a week one game against Sam Darnold and Terrence Marshall Jr. and all those other football players as well. DJ Moore, Christian McCaffrey. How are they going to stop Christian McCaffrey? Somebody needs to explain that one to me. They also have J.C. Horn, who, again, he's played awesome in the preseason as well. I don't, I don't know how they're going to beat, I don't know how they're going to beat the Bengals, or excuse me, the uh, the Panthers, the Jets. So I got the Panthers beating the Jets. Cardinals versus Titans, Titans, for now, I don't know how they're going to stop Derrick Henry. Maybe besides Zach Collins or Xavier Collins, excuse me, but on top of Derrick Henry, it's also like A.J. Brown and then. Julio Jones, and then you're like, huh, how are they going to stop them? I don't know. I don't know. But the Titans are just, they're just awesome. Just an awesome football team. Caleb Farley's going to be awesome. We'll see what happens with him. Um, 
Arizona. Obviously, I love Kyler. Obviously, I love um, DeAndre Hopkins. J.J. Watts on the team. Can't wait to see him play. He's going to be awesome-tacular. J.J. Chandler Jones is coming back. They got Isaiah Simmons, Zayvon Collins. I would not shut up about those guys in the preseason. They were going to play awesome tomorrow. Potentially, we'll see. This is like one of those other games that I'm just like, I don't really like my pick. I don't like picking against either team. I don't like picking against the Titans or the Chargers, or excuse me, the Cardinals, but, you know, you have to. So I'm picking Titans. And it will be close. I think Kyler's going to shape up. Cliff Kingsbury, this may be his final year. This this should be his best season. They should go to the playoffs. I have the Cardinals in the... Hit my microphone, my bad. I have them in the playoffs. thought I muted my microphone for like two seconds. The mute button is literally like the button that I hit. I apologize. But it's like, I have the Cardinals making it to the playoffs... And they're probably going to go 0-1, and they're probably going to be fine. Like, I don't know. They're just going up against a hard team. We'll see what happens. <clears throat> Anyways, Browns versus Chiefs. Chiefs. Browns last year, everybody was like, well, the Browns almost beat the Chiefs. Well, they did, but Mahomes got concussed. But I will say this. The Browns are probably a playoff team. They're probably a team that's going to be... They're, they're right now one of my, like, three teams that's going to play in, like, the AFC title game. Like, one of the three teams that I'm like, yeah, they could play. Oh, wait. Hold on. Ohio State just gave up another touchdown. Maybe not. Maybe not. Number seven is Holland. Oh, wait. Yeah, they did. 21. 21 to seven for this guy. Their running back has all of their touchdowns. CJ Verdell. Gotta write down his name. Because he is running up and down on Ohio State's uh, defense right now. C.J. Verdell just had like a 60. Hey, Dallas, maybe uh, maybe you get this guy C.J. Verdell next year out of uh, Oregon and figure out Ezekiel Elliott because yikes to Zeke. Zeke is not very good. It's an awesome job by C.J. Verdell. Anyways. Chiefs versus Browns. Almost beat the Browns versus... Uh, the Browns almost beat the Chiefs. Last year in the playoffs, almost happened, didn't happen. Whoever it was, I don't know. I don't I, like it, it's it's one of the quarterbacks that, that his name rhymes or whatever. I forgot what his name is, but C.J. Verdell, not C.J. Verdell, excuse me, but the Browns versus the Chiefs. I don't think it will be that close. I think the Chiefs are gonna like not even. I I I think it's gonna be a second thought. I think the Chiefs are really gonna go in and win win this game pretty handedly, but the Browns are gonna come back and win a lot more games, win a lot of games themselves. I don't think it'll be like that big of a deal that they lost this game uh, tomorrow. Yeah, C.J. Verdell probably. Who is this guy, C.J. Verdell? I got to look him up after after this podcast. Dolphins at Pats. Dolphins will win. I think the Patriots, Mac Jones, he's going to be going up against literally his worst nightmare, two of the best cornerbacks in the NFL. Um, plus some pretty good pass rushers. We'll see about Jalen Phillips next year as well. It's going to be a hard game for him to win. It's going to be a hard game. Tua, he's back. I think he'll play really, really awesome tomorrow. It sucks because Mac, Mac's going to like Mac is going to have a hard time in his in his pro debut. 
But Mac will also play. Mac will probably play pretty well as well. We'll see what Mac Jones does against the Dolphins. But right now, I have the Dolphins beating the Patriots. Broncos at Giants. Broncos. Broncos are better than the Giants. They're better defensively. They're better offensively. They're better overall. They probably have better coaches. They're just a better football team. Giants suck. Jason Garrett's going to figure out a way to screw it up. Jason probably should be fired after the end of the season. Packers versus Saints. Packers. Go Pack Go. Saints. Where's your quarterback? Who's your quarterback? Um, exactly. You have no quarterback. Maybe. Potentially. Maybe it's Seamus Winston. I don't know. We'll see. Um, Packers with Aaron. I think they're going to pick up where they left off last year. I think they're going to dominate. I think they're going to be awesome. I think it's not even going to be close. I keep saying that. I think it will be closer. We'll see. I mean, they have everything, though. They have, like, Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, Aaron. They have um, Kylan Hill, who had an awesome preseason as well. You know, they got back Randall Cobb. They have Amari Rogers, who I was stupidly high on. They have a lot of awesome players for them. Packers versus Saints. Packers, it's not even close. Bears versus Rams. Rams. Really? I mean, we talked about how terrible Andy Dalton is going to be. He's going to be bad. People are going to be pissed off. People are going to be like, why isn't Justin Fields playing? And the reality is, um, I don't know. Because he played better than Andy Dalton. And I am kind of, not kind of, I am like significantly on the whole bandwagon of like, yeah, don't play your, don't play your freaking backup quarterback in the preseason, not in the preseason, excuse me. I don't know what is wrong with me today in English. I can't speak English very well today, apparently. But I'm always of the mindset of don't ever play your rookie quarterback. It's so hard to get into the league and freaking play the sport at a, um, at a high level when it comes to the quarterback position. It just behooves of you to just sit them. And uh, they're like, they're, they're doing exactly what I want. But then I'm like, wow, their backup quarterback kind of sucks. So we'll kind of see what happens with the Bears and the Rams. Uh, not with the Bears and the Rams, but with the Bears as a football team. The Bears and the Rams, it's easy. It's the Rams. Ravens versus Raiders. Even with all of these injuries that have been going on with the Baltimore Ravens, the Raiders suck. They're terrible. I mean, their offensive line is bad. They, I don't know what they're going to do with their wide receiving core. Darren Waller is going to be an interesting football player for them. Josh Jacobs is going to be there as well. But their running game is still there. They have Patrick Queen. They need a safety. They got Ardarius Washington out of TCU. We'll see what happens with that guy. But it's like, I'm not really like that low on Baltimore, even though they have had a lot of injuries. I'm just like, they're still a really good football team. I'm hoping that they pass the football more and not rely more on Lamar. But I mean, where's the lie? Like, where's... Where's like, where's the good Raider? Where's the, where's the part of the Raiders football team that I'm supposed to be like, oh man, like this, this part can really shut down Lamar Jackson and, and the Baltimore Ravens. Cause I don't really know where it is. I don't really know where the best part of their football team is. I don't know where it is. Which is why I'm just like super just down on the Raiders as a football team. It's why I got the, uh, the Ravens beating them. And I'm just like, they don't, like, who's their, who's their best freaking football player? I don't know. We'll see what happens. Anyways, that's the podcast. I, once again, apologize. Sorry, um, I, I apologize for how, how late I was on this. Again, I just, 
Felt sick tomorrow. Not really going to have a lot of sick days in the next couple of weeks, but you know how it is. Not in the next couple of weeks, but yeah, I won't really have a lot of sick days. I try not to, but Raiders, not Raiders, but oh my God, my brain is fried. But we'll watch a lot of football in the next couple of days, Sunday, Monday. Again, we're going to watch the Steelers versus Bills, Packers, not Packers at Saints, um, Chiefs at Browns, and then we'll finish off Sunday with Bears at Rams, then Raiders versus the Ravens on Monday because it's Monday Night Football. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been 24's Podcast, the best video gaming and sports podcast on the entire internet. If you like this podcast, uh, subscribe everywhere podcasts are found. Literally, link is in the description. I'm tired. I don't know why I'm tired. I feel like I got eight hours of sleep last night, and here I am just like super tired. I don't know why. I think I'll watch the Billie Eilish documentary or listen to Sour as I'm watching Ohio State finally score their second touchdown of the day. We'll see what happens with Ohio State. Anyways, I'm peacing out. I'll see you tomorrow for more football, ladies and gentlemen, 24th podcast.